Good morning, everyone. Would you turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1? Ephesians chapter 1, we're going to begin there. The message that I'm going to preach this morning is in a response to a vision that I had about 10 days ago where the Spirit of the Lord visited me. How many of you know that Joel chapter 2 says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. This young man has seen a vision. And I want to share that vision with you. I want to visit a few places in the word of God. And I want to start by encouraging you about hearing the voice of the Lord for yourself. And I want to make something plain that when God speaks to us, it must line up with this. It must have the essence of the Word of God. It should not violate His character or His nature as revealed in His infallible, unchanging Word. Therefore, God can't say some things to you that would violate His Word. Does that make sense? So when someone says the Lord talked to me or God spoke to me or I saw a vision or I was visited by God or I had a dream, we ought to treat that rightly with the fear of the Lord lest someone be saying something that God said this when He didn't say it. And in the book of Jeremiah, that was the problem that God had with the false prophets is that they were claiming God said when God did not say. So it's in the fear of the Lord today that I share a vision that I had believing that God has visited me. And here was the vision. I'll give it to you in short. I'm not released to share all of it yet, but it was this. I saw the spirit of adoption sweeping over the United States of America. And I saw a great wave of adoption that was touching the church in this hour. So I want to lean into the adoptive heart of God. Did you know that God is an adoptive father? I want to show it to you in the Word. So turn with me to Ephesians 1. We're going to visit a few places in the Word. We're going to gather up some of the heart of the Father. And we'll let God lead us. Ephesians 1. Let's just begin in verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by a self-appointed Facebook title, excuse me, that was the wrong version, (laughs) by the will of God, to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you know that you can't give away what you don't have? It's called the law of possession. So if God is giving grace and peace to you, it's because He's gracious and peaceful as our Father. We're just going to read a few verses. I want to capture the heart of God the Father for us as His children. If you're here and you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, none of this yet applies to you. But by faith in Him today, it can become a reality in your life. Did you know that God doesn't treat everyone the same? Boy, am I tired of the gospel that says God just loves everyone the same and does everything the same. No, God causes good to work together for those who do what? Love Him. All things work together for the good of those who love God. But if you don't love God, you're left with mindless chaos. So if your life is in confusion and disorder, 
Perhaps it's because your love for the Lord has grown weak or you've not fully surrendered to Jesus. There are blessings and benefits for the children of God. The heart of the Father is inclusive. He wants all to know Him. He desires that none would perish. But don't you know we're stubborn? We're arrogant, we're proud, we're ashamed, we're full of fear, and therefore we reject the heart of the Father towards us. I want to open up the heart of a good Father this morning that we might have the right response to Him, which is to receive Him. Are you with me? So grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love He predestined us to adoption. Would you say adoption? As sons through Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the kind intention of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, which He freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. Let's stop right there. Did you capture the heart of God? Did you hear grace? Did you hear peace? Did you hear blessing? Did you know that God desires to bless you? Listen, I don't believe in the prosperity gospel, but I don't believe in the poverty gospel either. The religious spirit wants to keep you poor, man. Wants to keep you with meager expectations for everything in your life and fill you with the fear of lack when God has promised seed to the sower and bread to those who will faithfully live for Him. So blessing is in the heart of God the Father. God is not an exacting Father. God is not a Father who is meager or minimal. So my dad was greatly abused by his father as a kid, my, my grandfather. And he tells these stories of being sent to the grocery store or being sent somewhere to get food. Now this is the 1950s before inflation. So you're going to laugh at these prices. But he would be sent to the grocery store to get bread, to get milk, to get a few things for the house. And his father was an exacting father. He was a cruel, punitive man who harshly and severely beat his children, including my dad. And he would send my dad to the store and he would, be, he would tell him to get a few things and he would give my dad the exact change and no more to go and buy these items because he didn't trust them to give him back the change. So he would be sent with, let's say, 55 cents and all the while he's on his way to the store, my father is full of fear and anxiety because if for some reason the prices have changed, he's not going to have enough money and then he's going to have to come back and tell his dad, I don't have what you sent me for and then the beating was really on. Did you know that God the Father is not like that? I'm talking about abundance. 
I'm talking about something that's a pressed down, a good measure shaken and then overflowing because there's blessing and God has aimed blessing at the hearts of His children. But will you receive the blessing of God? Will you receive the favor that the Father wants to show you? Let me be honest with you. I have rejected the blessing and favor of God a lot in my life. Because there was something minimal and meager and broken and shattered in my own soul. It got so bad that the Lord gave a woman a word for me back in March of 2020, and she about screamed down my throat. She was yelling so hard in my ear. Mind you, this lady is very tender and very kind. But she was yelling in my ear, Don't reject the blessing! God wants to bless you! Why are you blocking His blessing? I'm telling you, I was shook. (laughs) And I like it when people yell at me. But this was something, see the father, I wasn't listening to his whispers, so God is faithful where he begins to roar. And I was getting the roar and it was like, okay, Lord, I'm hearing you loud and clear. So I went home that night, I repented to the Lord for blocking the blessing and the favor of God. And all of a sudden, within days, favor began to trickle in and bubble up. And God began to do a supernatural work in my heart. And I began to see the manifestation of miracles of abundance. I'm not just talking finances. I mean breakthrough in all the people's lives around me. Because there was an unbelief in my heart about the goodness of God. That blessing, oh that's for the wicked. Oh you see people with a lot of money or with a lot of influence Oh they must be doing something wrong No maybe that's something deceitful that has influenced our minds to think that way See we need powerful people that know the kingdom of God in this hour We need keys of favor that will unlock doors that are closed in order to execute the will of God in the earth. God wants to use all of our resources, all of our relationships, all of the things that He's placed within us. He wants to use it all for His glory. So blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who's blessed us. With every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, did you know that God the Father desires to bless you in your life? Feels like poverty in here. We already took up the offering, so what's my motive to teach you the truth? How about verse 4? When were you chosen? It's not a trick question. Before the foundation of the world. So God looked at you and thought, wow, you're, you're, you've really performed well for me. Get on my team. Guys, this would be like drafting a team before the league was ever formed. Picking who's in your family before they're ever made. What's the difference between performance and obedience? First of all, it's a matter of the heart. But performance is when you do things for love. You do things to be loved. Obedience is when you do things from love. Because you are loved. 
See, when you preach obedience to people, obedience to the word of God, submission and surrender to the will of the Lord, when you preach that to a people who don't know the Father and don't have a relationship, they begin to quake under the power of trying to live for God in their own strength. And they feel like you're putting a heavy burden over them when really you're calling them to a lifestyle of affection where you've encountered the risen Jesus and it becomes easy to say, Lord, just have everything. We just heard from Tristan. God bless that brother in Sydney. They gave away everything. And there's something in our minds that says, oh, don't do that. What a stupid decision. And here's God leading them, knowing all the while that He's not only going to give it all back to them, but He's going to give it all back to them and more. Oh, but we don't want to go through the valleys and the testings and the, listen, before we ever gave away $10,000, we had to give away 1000 We had to give away 100 It used to hurt to give away twenty. And it's all not going, oh, we can't afford it. It's because it had a hold of my soul. Greed and fear are the reasons why we don't surrender everything to Christ. The Father desires to bless, but He's looking for conduits in the earth. He's looking for those that will pass along what He desires to do. He's looking for people who are looking at the needs of others saying, what are we going to do about it? So the right prayer is not, Lord, bless me. Please hear this. The right prayer is not, Lord, bless me. It's, make me a blessing. Because inherent in being a blessing, you will be able to bless others. So you were chosen before the foundation of the world. And it says, it's in the middle voice in Greek, that He chose us for Himself. God chose us for Himself. He didn't just arbitrarily choose you like, oh, i got to pick ten people from this side. I'll take you, 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 and you. No, He chose you for Himself. He chose you with an intimate knowledge of who you are and how you're made and what you like. And He delights in those things and made you with His love. God acts upon His love. He's a loving Father. His love is not merely a concept. See, the problem with religion is that God becomes a theory. You hear and know stuff about God, but it's not real to you in your own soul. It's one thing to hear about the love of God. It's another thing to receive the love of the Father for yourself. Have you received the love of the Father in your own life today? Are you rejecting the kindness, the compassion, the forgiveness of a God who wants to take you and make you holy and blameless? Who has predestined you and I to adoption? See, this is powerful because it takes all of our desire to earn it away from us. See, teaching about God's adoption, that it happened before the foundation of the world, that He chose us, it offends us because we want to say, man, I was good enough for God. I did something that attracted His attention and He put me on His team. And the Lord says, no, I chose you before I ever made the world. What kind of father is this? See, we like to look at people and determine whether or not we're going to choose them, love them. We judge their motives. We weigh all kinds of things because we're cynical and critical and suspicious and wounded. And here's God like, give me this whole group of losers who are going to betray me. I just love them so much. Jesus, friend of sinners, friend of losers. 
If you don't know it today, you're a loser. God loves us in spite of us. Listen, I know a minister who said when God chose me, he got a good deal. The stuff is real. That's the Pharisee inside of us that wants to think, man, I'm, I really am something. My Father and the Lord taught me, build relationships, sorry, build monuments to your own nothingness. We talk about that won't preach. He said, you need to build monuments to your own nothingness. He said, your generation is quick to want to forget every failure. He said, you should remember it deeply so it humbles you and reminds you that apart from him, you can do nothing. Now, God wants to heal you of the shame and of the stain, but he never wants you to forget that if you go without me, this will surely be your end. Does that make sense? So the heart of God the Father, there's grace, peace, blessing, choosing. He's forgiving. He's loving us. He's predestined us to adoption. So God the Father's not harsh. He's not demeaning. God is not a condescending Father. Do you agree? The Father is a good Father. He corrects us, but He corrects us and rebukes us in love. Because He loves us. The Father has corrected me, challenged me, adjusted me deeply in my life, and never ever made me feel small. The thing that makes you want to crawl in a hole and die is from the pit of hell. But listen, if we can't receive correction, if we can never hear truth without getting offended, we need the Father to heal us of our orphan soul. God corrects us because He loves us. What kind of dad would I be if my sons reach for the hot stove and I don't smack their hand? Sometimes in life we reach for things, oh, it looks good, it looks fun, and God smacks our hand. And then we get mad at the Lord. And if you do that enough times, He's going to say, okay, ah, And the wild thing is, is that we get burned and God's been trying to prevent us from injuring ourselves. And then we get mad at God for having a burned hand. Because orphans are always suspicious of God. Oh, we know God's up to something. Sons and daughters know that God is up to something good. In the midst of chaos, in the midst of crisis, in the midst of suffering, you understand that God's going to take all the pain and all the shame and all the anguish. He's going to turn it around and what the enemy meant for evil, He's going to make it beautiful. I love that line that says, if it's not beautiful, God's not done with me. Say, Lord, my life is a mess. It's in shambles. God's just getting started. Jesus is called the author and the finisher of our faith. He who begun a good work in you will be faithful to bring it to completion, to fullness. Amen? Okay, go to Galatians chapter 4. Just turn back to the letter to the church in Galatia. Galatians chapter 4. We've gathered up a few things about the heart of God the Father. Let's keep reading. This is a very kindred passage To Ephesians 1, we're learning that God has adopted us before the foundation of the world. So what did you have to do with your adoption? Nothing. Say it, nothing. It's good for you. 
Verse 4 of Galatians 4. But when the fullness of the time came, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law. Would you stop for one second? I want to be crystal clear that God doesn't need our permission to execute His will. He wants to use human beings and He desires for us to partner with Him. But there are false teachings in the church today that sound something like, give God permission to be God and I categorically reject all of that unsound doctrine. God is God, He's sovereign, and if He chose us before the foundation of the world, the Word of God teaches that Jesus was the Lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world. So God must have this whole thing wrapped up within His being, and He's working all things into an end in His Son, Jesus Christ. God is not confused, He's not disturbed, He's not intimidated by the darkness in our world, although we are. I had a professor in Bible college that thought God doesn't know the future. And I about fell out of my chair. I'm like, Lord, I'm paying you to teach me. And you think God doesn't know the future. So the next time we're in a, a hurricane, a natural disaster, oh, Lord, we don't know what's going to happen next. And we know you don't either. But if you could do something about it, that'd be great. <laughs> it's hilarious. Some things are worth mocking. Some things are so foolish, so stupid, such a projection of human frailty onto this good God and Father that we ought to say, that's hogwash. Get that out of my head. Get that away from me. God doesn't need our permission. It says, when the fullness of the time came, God sent forth His Son. Born of a woman, born under the law. Verse 5. In order that He might do what? That He might redeem those who were under the law, that we might what? That we might receive the adoption as sons. So His purpose in sending Jesus Christ was to adopt us. Oh, you're joking. He wants to redeem us? That we might receive the adoption as sons? You mean that God didn't become an adoptive father? It was always in his heart from the very beginning? Listen, before God was a creator, he was a father. He's the father who was and is and is to come. God didn't become a father and God didn't create Jesus, by the way. Jesus is the uncreated, He's the uncaused cause, He's the one, He's the co-creator of the universe. Are you with me? In order that He might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. I want to key in on this word real fast about receiving and ask you a point blank question. Have you received the Father's adoption? Whether or not you receive it has everything to do with whether you begin to reap the benefits and the blessings of it, but regardless, you've been adopted. But some of us, we like to argue with our adoptive father and reject his love, his care, his kindness, and his correction, and therefore we remain immature and stunted in our growth, and we never quite grow up in God because we don't fully put away the old life and the old thinking. 
So God's an adoptive father. He sent Jesus that we might receive that adoption. So here they are before the foundation of the world. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. A relational God. A loving God. Jesus and the Father and the Spirit did not make mankind because they were lonely. Would you say amen? They didn't create humanity because they needed something. God doesn't need anything. He has no lack. We were created out of the overflow of love in the Father, Son, and Spirit's heart. So here they are. Father, if we create them and we give them a choice, they're going to sin. Yes, I know, son. But I want to send you that they might not be separated from me forever, but that you would redeem them. And that we would reconcile them. And that we would pull them back into my heart so that they would really see me and really know me. And the Spirit said, that's a really good plan. Let's do it. Are you with me this morning? I just can't get away from this thing that some of us are mad at our adoptive father, i.e. God. Listen, God knows best. I want to give you a phrase today that I hope you carry with you the rest of your life. Father knows best. In the face of difficulty in my life, I say, Father knows best. In the face of sickness, I say, Father knows best. In the midst of suffering, I say, Father knows best. God, I trust you. You know what you're doing. You've adopted me. I want to walk in the benefit and the blessing of this adoption Do you know that to be adopted, you take on a new identity? You become a part of a new family. You get a new name. You get new rights. You get new benefits. We're like, Lord, I like my my rags. I like the the holes and the... (laughs) Blessing? What's that? Oh, meager expectations and... A poverty spirit, that's what I love, that's what I'm used to. Hear me, I'm not just talking about money. It's a small component of the blessing of being fathered by God, of being loved by Him and being parented through the mountains and the valleys of life. Some of us are just used to repeating a prayer and it going out of our mouth and in our ears and dropping dead to the floor our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name your kingdom come your will be done no Jesus said our father let me teach you how to pray it's our father we named this place our father's house because God said I want it to be a house where people know me as a father he said my church must not be an orphanage where we reject the fatherhood of God in our lives so have you received the adoption of God as your father. John 1.12 says, As many as received him. There's that word, receiving. John 1.12 As many as received him, to them he gave them the right, which is the word exousia, authority. To them who received him, he gave them the right to become children of God. You've been given the right the authority to become a child, but would you receive it today? Would you live as a son or a daughter? See, God wants to kick out arrogance and give you confidence. The difference between arrogance and confidence is who you put your trust in. 
Arrogant people boast about themselves. Confident people boast in God. Listen, let the work that God does through you tell you something about God. If the work that God begins to do through you tells you something about yourself, you will die a proud death. So here you have adoption, sonship, which leads to what? Verse 7. Sorry, verse 6. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave. Would you say no longer a slave? slave. But a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. So the Father adopts us. He brings us into sonship. You're a son, you're a daughter, and then you're an heir to the Father. And He puts His Spirit. I think this is so great. Did you know that the Holy Spirit lives inside of you by faith in Christ? That God's Spirit, the moment you put your faith in Jesus and you stop trusting in yourself, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in you. He makes you His home and He begins to cry out inside of you, Abba, Father. God wants to cry out. See, this is the spirit of adoption within every human being. The longing, the void, the loneliness. Reach for God and say, Abba, Father. Abba, Father is always the right prayer. Sometimes my Abba, Father looks like, Abba, Father, I'm scared. Abba, Father, give me strength. Abba, Father, be with me today. Abba, Father, remind me who you are so that I don't forget and betray you. Abba, Father is always the right prayer. It's the cry that the Spirit of God has within every believer. But you know, we stuff that. I'm not going to cry out to God. I can't worship God in extravagance. What about my reputation? What will people think of me? As we're so bound up in fear. And then we blame it on God or we blame it on others. Or Abba Father. Do you have an Abba Father prayer life? Do you have an Abba Father prayer life? Paul, what do you mean? I'm not saying just mindlessly. You don't have to get weird about it. (laughs) I pray without ceasing, Abba, Father, Abba, Father, Abba, Father, Abba, Father. (laughs) Now this is being connected in intimacy to a father who loves you, who's adopted you, who's brought you into his family, who's not going to reject you or throw you away, but who loves you from everlasting to everlasting. Anybody ever tried to get God to throw you away? Just me. (laughs) You start doing the thing where you start like, Uh, telling God your sins and it's not in repentance it's like Lord I need to inform you what a rotten piece of garbage I am and he's like yeah I love you so much I knew all that like hold on let me try it again a different way and use some different words still didn't work I love you God's banner over us is what love it's ridiculous if I were a father because of my fallen nature why do we do this thing? We tell people, well, you know, I don't, I don't see you any differently. 
Well, we all wish that were true. That's a nice platitude, but you know what? God loves us in spite of us. <laughs> when you sin, God doesn't go, Whoa, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> all the generations before you, they were perfect. You, ah. Oh. He says, I made provision for this in my son. I want you to cry out to me, Abba, Father. Whether you feel like you're on the mountaintop right now and you're at the, the peak and the height of your walk with Jesus, Abba, Father. You're in the valley and you're suffering and you're struggling and you're broken. You're confused, Abba, Father. So he sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, that we might not be slaves, that we might not relate to God as a distant task master. Listen, orphans know God's rules. Sons and daughters know God's heart. Let me run it by you again. The difference between performance and obedience is what? Orphans perform and sons and daughters obey. Orphans perform for God. I got to do more for God. I'm not doing enough for God. Oh, I didn't read my Bible again today. I'm a failure. And that leads you to not read your Bible the next day and to make every excuse. Why? Because you're performing. You're trying to earn something. But when you receive the spirit of adoption, everything changes. You begin to have that Abba Father connection and when it's broken, when you sin, you realize that you've grieved the heart of God, not just, I did something wrong. Oh, I broke the rules again. This is why religion doesn't work because it trains you just follow the rules. The Word of God talks about obedience from the heart. It's a gripping statement. It's in Romans 5, I believe. It talks about obedience from the heart. Does your obedience come from the heart? from the seed of your affection, from the seed of your love. God, I just want to love you today. How do I love you? Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey me. Father, help me not to obey you like an orphan, just trying not to upset you so that I don't tip the apple cart and you don't blow me out of the water. That's not God. That's not the Father who's adopted you and loved you. See, listen, Anytime you talk about God the Father, you're always up against people's orphan experiences on this fallen planet with broken parents. It's difficult to believe that God could be this kind of father when your own father or your own mother wasn't there for you, didn't care for you, rejected and abandoned you, and here comes the Lord to say, I'm not like your dad. I'm not like your mom. Guess what? I'm not a man. I'm created human beings, but I'm not like you. God is perfect. God's fatherhood is perfect. Would you say amen? amen? Everything he does is perfect. He makes no mistakes. He's not surprised. He has a great plan and he's going to work it out. He even has the ability to restore the things that the locusts have eaten in our lives. This is fascinating. <laughs> It's like you take all your gifts and your talents and you throw it in the dumpster and the dumpster gets set on fire and miraculously you turn around and the Lord's like, I got you. And you're like, well, that was cool. Let's do it again. <laughs> like a dog returning to our vomit. We don't learn the lesson and here's God as a good father. I got you. Does this mean there are no consequences for sin? No. Does this mean that we can't forfeit things that God wanted to give us? No, you can't. 
Saul forfeited the kingdom through his disobedience and God anointed David. All of that's real. That's God being a good father, though. Because a good father has standards. The father's not a pushover. The father doesn't give us everything you want. Why? Thank God for unanswered prayers. This is why the essence of prayer is not my will, but your will be done. Anybody ever tried to pray long and hard enough until his will became your will, (laughs) not the other way around? (laughs) All right, just me. Praise the Lord. We're not listening to you, you Pharisee. All right, last stop, Romans chapter 8. The spirit of adoption is going to sweep the church. The spirit of adoption is over this nation. I see the spirit of God brooding over all 50 states. But you need to know that you're adopted first. Romans 8, let's look at verse 14. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Wait a second. Let's say it this way. Orphans are driven, sons are led. God leads us. God's a good shepherd, he says. Follow me. Some of us follow a Jesus that walks behind us and whips us on the back and beats us up all the time. I just feel led to say this. God doesn't need you to cuss yourself out. I'll try this side. God doesn't need you to cuss yourself out. Hey, I've been there. Let me just beat the crap out of myself verbally. Father's not interested in all that. You know what that is? It's a substitute for humility. (laughs) We're so proud that instead of humbling ourselves, we choose to hate ourselves. The Lord's like, I'm not looking for all that. I just want you to humble yourself and do it differently. So all who are led, these are the sons of God. If you're led by the Spirit of God, ask yourself today, am I being led or am I being driven? Verse 15. For you have not received. Anytime the word of God tells me that I've not been given something, that I've not received something, that there's something that God can't or won't do, I'm paying attention. So you have not received what? A spirit of slavery leading to fear again. Why? Because fear is our default. And a spirit of slavery will take you right back to living in fear. Instead, you have, would you say, received? You've received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out what? Abba, Father. Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if we're children, we're heirs also. Heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ if indeed we suffer with Him, in order that we may also be glorified with Him. Living in fear is the strongest form of slavery known to man. 
Fear will bind you physically. Fear will bind you emotionally. Fear will bind you financially. Fear will bind you in every way, in every area. Fear will cause you to say no to the very thing that the Father's saying yes. Why does perfect love cast out fear? Because the love of God assures us, accepts us, and reminds us, hey, you know what? This really ain't all about you anyway. This is about me and my glory. And I'm going to be glorified and I want the credit through your life. So just say yes because I got this. But you know, you'll never be led by the Holy Spirit if you don't trust the Holy Spirit. You'll never be led by the Holy Spirit if you don't learn to love the Spirit of God, love His leadership. I love the spontaneity of the Holy Spirit, but I had to grow in that. Some of us, we're so calculated, we're so scheduled, we want it our way and we want it now, and the Spirit of God wants to move through our lives, and it looks different than our plans. Why doesn't the Spirit of God move in churches today? Because leaders are afraid and therefore it manifests in control and we're going to get together and we're going to have a service and it's going to go like this. Done. The glory of the Lord fills the temple in the old covenant and no one can even function and here we are in the new covenant and everything happens exactly the same. Oh my God, am I tired of boring church services where men get up and perform and it's a show and here's a laser rock concert. Hope you're entertained. Don't forget to tithe. Have a nice week. Woohoo! I want the Spirit of God. I want the presence of God. I want the reality of God being in my midst and manifesting His glory. If you're drunk on entertainment, nobody gets healed. If you're drunk on entertainment, no one can even prophesy because you don't have a four or a six year degree. You don't have credentials, brother. So sit in the audience and shut up. Don't forget to tithe. People don't like this stuff, though. We don't like it when people talk like this because it messes with our minds. It messes with our boxes. It messes with the cute little thing that we love to put the Holy Spirit in. Anybody got any fruit or vegetables you want to throw? Jonathan wants to kiss me. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Greet one another with a holy kiss. Just make sure it's holy, brother. (laughs) Look at verse 16. The Spirit Himself, what does He do? Mine says He bears witness. Some of yours say He testifies. This is amazing. The Spirit of God takes up residence in you by faith, and He begins to speak to your spirit and say, You're a son. You're a daughter. You're mine. Don't you do that. I love you. He begins to testify about our identity. See, when I was an orphan and I would sin, oh man, I was like, oh, I messed up again. I did the wrong thing. When I became a son, when I became a true son to the Father and I understood my identity, it was, Father, I'm sorry that I hurt your heart.
Religion is the thing that conditions us to think that God is angry and we need to run when we've messed up. Let me ask you a question about Luke 15. The parable of the prodigal son, which should be the parable of the redemptive father, because the story ain't great without a redemptive father. That's just another story of a screw-up, which we have plenty of. Let me ask you something. Who ran first? It says he sees him from a long way off. I'm telling you something. You know that kid wasn't running home. He's completely ashamed. He's been eating the pig slop. He's an utter disaster failure. So he's going to come home and he's ready to give God all his excuses. He's ready to tell his father, just make me a slave. It's rough out here, man. I know that I asked you for my inheritance and I went out and squandered it. And here's the father. It says he sees him from a long way off. You don't see someone from a long way off unless you're looking for him. And here's the eyes of God the father through the spirit of adoption saying, I want my sons and daughters back. I want all the prodigals to come home and know me for themselves. So the Spirit of God lives inside of you to bear witness with your spirit. That voice inside of your heart, that unspoken thought that says, I love you, I care about you, you are mine. Listen, if you hear something in the second person in your head, you, right? I, we, that's first person. You is second person. If you hear something like you, you are, that's either God or the devil. Unless you're really weird and you talk to yourself in the second person. Oh, you're a failure. You're worthless. You're, yeah. I'm sure it sounds like you. Oh, no, it's the devil who hates your guts. Who wants you to grovel and die and suffocate in your shame. And here's God the Father. I love you. You're mine. You're ashamed of yourself. I'm not ashamed of you. I've adopted you. You're always going to be mine. Here's the deal with the prodigal son. His sin changed the condition of the relationship, but it couldn't change the position of the relationship. He was still a son. There was distance, but God was going to close the distance and restore things. That's important to remember. Father, I ask you right now in Jesus' name that you would begin to testify to our spirits. Holy Spirit, would you begin to speak to the orphan inside of us that rejects you, that doesn't know you. God, I pray that you would break the stronghold of religion in this room. God, I pray that you would break the stronghold off of our hearts and our minds right now. Holy Spirit, would you come and adopt us right now into the Father's family. I just want to read this over you. I wrote this eight years ago. It says, if you want to be led by the Holy Spirit, you must love the Holy Spirit. You can close your eyes if you want to. If you want to be led by the Holy Spirit, you must love the Holy Spirit. His guidance and direction must come from a place of friendship with Him because we will do things for love that we would never do out of obligation. When our relationship with God is not a formula, but an exchange of love, He can lead, guide, direct, ask, and command us to do things that we would refuse to do out of duty. In order for a friendship with the Holy Spirit to develop, He must be seen as a person. He's not a language or a manifestation, 
Those things happen when He's in the room, but they're not Him. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, and He is God, given by the Father as our helper, comforter, and teacher, who will guide us into all truth. If you want to be led by the Holy Spirit, you must trust the Holy Spirit. The faith to speak and act out what He leads us to do must be motivated by trust. It's from the place of trust that we can move in power in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. When we act in faith and trust Him, we don't have to understand everything. Some of us need to say amen. If we seek to understand everything rather than trusting the Holy Spirit, we will quench Him and not move in anything. If we trust that He knows and comprehends it all, it frees us from having to understand and empowers us to walk by faith in the Holy Spirit. Furthermore, occasionally we understand things at a later time after being obedient to His leading. But this reward of understanding comes only after we trust Him and act in obedience. Father, come and parent the orphan in us. Holy Spirit, we just cry out, Abba, Father. We say, Abba, Father, to You this morning, Lord. God, I pray for the spirit of adoption to sweep this church. Father, would You give us an adoptive heart because You are an adoptive Father. I thank you, Lord, that you're desiring today for us to receive your spirit, who is the spirit of adoption in Jesus' name. Amen. So I see this happening in a twofold manner. This vision that I had where the spirit of God, the spirit of adoption was sweeping the church in the United States, I believe is a direct response to Roe v. Wade being overturned. We've slaughtered 63 million babies in this nation in the last 49 years since 1973. Do you know how many children that is? Let me help you try to wrap your mind around how much murder and how much bloodshed has stained our country. If you spent 10 seconds in silence for every child that was aborted, let's go ahead and do it right now. Ready? You wouldn't speak again until 2042. Just 10 seconds for every one life. 20 years. And there's mercy this morning, beloved. If you've contributed to an abortion or you've had an abortion, there's mercy in the heart of God the Father who loves you, who knows your sin, who knows your shame. Listen, there are women that are crippled by this that never tell a soul because there's so much shame and so much guilt. And I predict that now that it has been made illegal in many states, the justification of, well, it's legal has been taken away and that shame is going to be amplified. We as a church need to do well to love people who are buried in this shame because it's very deep. We need to make sure that in our cry against abortion that we're not wounding people who have had one. We have to remember that mercy triumphs over judgment. Amen. So I see this happening in a twofold manner. Would you stand with me? 
I want to give a call to receive the spirit of adoption. And I think this looks like two things. Number one is if you need to receive that God has adopted you. If you've been living as an orphan, if you've been living and struggling to believe that God is good, if you don't know the fatherhood of God in your life, the Lord wants you to come down this morning and simply receive that He's your Father. The second thing related to the spirit of adoption is this. Since God has adopted you, you will adopt others. We need a church that is rallying in this hour because there are going to be a lot of kids that don't have fathers and mothers that need parents. And listen, can I tell you something? This is not just for those who are young or, or married or have a family. I've seen grandmas and grandpas by the Spirit adopting people. I hear the Lord saying to those who are old that the sound, the pitter-patter of little feet fill your home once again. If we all we do is celebrate that Roe v. Roe v. Wade has been overturned, if that's our only response is to rejoice and then we do nothing, that would be like witnessing a warehouse on fire and celebrating that the fire got put out, but there are people still trapped inside. The right response is to celebrate that the fire has been put out. But now we begin to advocate that abortion would be made illegal in our state because that's our sphere of influence. I want abortion outlawed in the state of Indiana. But then we have to have a response that if the fire of abortion is going to be put out, then we have to have a heart of adoption. But first, we have to receive the spirit of adoption for ourselves. I believe that there are couples and families and people here today individuals young and old who will leave this meeting marked by the spirit of adoption with a commitment to the Lord to adopt sons and daughters who are not your blood children and to raise them up and train them and lead them in the house of God so if that's you this morning, I want you to come forward right now for either one of those two. If you believe the Lord is stirring on your heart, if He's given you a spirit of adoption this morning, I want to welcome you to come forward right now and to come down into this altar and begin to release an Abba Father cry to the Lord. This is going to be a powerful moment because the spirit of adoption is here today. The spirit of adoption is here to parent the orphan inside. But He also wants to move upon our hearts. That there are children now and that are coming that need a father, that need a mother, that need someone who will care, who will love, who will open up their home, who will meet their needs. Come on, come all the way forward. Make room for others. Perhaps you don't feel like, well, we're not going to adopt, but can you support adoption? Part of the problem in this nation is that abortion is cheap. 
Adoption is expensive. I'm believing for powerful people to be raised up in this nation to turn that around. To make abortion illegal and to make adoption affordable in the name of Jesus. We need a church that's rallying in this hour. Perhaps you can't physically adopt, but do you have the funds? Do you have the house? Do you have the food? Do you have the means to partner with what the Spirit of God wants to do in this hour? Let us not be a church here at our Father's house that simply celebrates the overturning of Roe v. Wade and then does nothing else. No, I don't want to just be a hearer of the Word. I want to be a doer of the Word. I want to partner with Jesus in this hour. The spirit of adoption is sweeping this nation and it starts with the church because judgment begins in the house of God. Amen? So just begin to release a cry. If you need to go, God bless you. We love you. But I want to invite those who are down in this altar just to begin to cry out, Abba, Father, let the spirit of adoption overtake you. Get loud and get free this morning. Break free from religion and cry out to your Father who loves you. We say, Abba, Father, we cry out on behalf of all the children who don't have mothers and fathers. We say, Abba, Father.